You can't change your life if you focus in on all your weaknesses, on what you do. You've got to focus in on the perfection of Christ inside of you. You have perfect righteousness inside of you. Perfect righteousness inside of you means that you are perfect in Christ. What you've got to do is believe in that and then work that out in your life. Work out that righteousness. Like someone says, do what Jesus would do. Why? Because you're working out that perfect righteousness inside of you. You got to have a righteous consciousness, not a sin consciousness. A sin consciousness just causes you to become aware of more of the failures and more of the things that you do wrong, and then you're attracted to them rather than repel them. That was the problem with the law, but under grace, we focus in on Christ gave us, and as we begin to say, man, on the righteousness of God, we begin to act righteous. We begin to act holy. We begin to act with authority. We begin to act with power because we believe that we are complete in him. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. You ready to learn today, church? You ready to get blessed today? All right, I want to teach you this morning, and I want you to embrace this thought. And this is the thought I want you to embrace. The way that you think right now is not as good as God is. Say it with me. God is greater than the way that I'm thinking right now. Say it out loud. God's greater than the way I'm thinking right now. In other words, it's better than what you think. Here's what I've learned about the Lord. The more I study the Word of God, the more I study the revelation in the in scriptures, the, the more my thinking changes, and I begin to see God greater and greater and greater in His goodness. And that's what I want to impress you today. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you don't think things are good in your life. I'm going to tell you that if you change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. And maybe you're not feeling great today. Maybe you're not feeling great about your marriage, your children, whatever. If you can change the way that you think, you can change the way that you feel in your life. Hallelujah. It's true. Now, I want to start, if you would, look up on the screen. We're going to look at a story of Jesus when he, when he calmed the storm. And notice in verse 22 what it says. Now, it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side or the other side of the lake, and they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were, uh, were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the waters. And they obeyed him. I know it's a story that most people know in Scripture, but let me kind of bring something out here that's powerful. He says to them, Let us go to the other side. And I want to say this to all of us, whatever you're going through right now. God doesn't want you to camp out in your problem. He doesn't want you to spend the rest of your days in that problem. He wants you to go through it and come out the other side blessed. And you got to remember that. David said this. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, they rod thy staff. They comfort me. He sets a table in the presence of my enemy. Surely, come on, praise God. It's, it's powerful. 
God doesn't want you to camp out in the midst of your marriage problems, in the midst of your financial problems. He doesn't want you to build a house, build it, come on, build a garage. He wants you to just be passing through. And as you pass through, you got to be like Jesus. You got to have peace through it. And you got to realize in that storm, you have authority over the storm. You have authority over what happens in your life. You have authority. God did not call you this far to fail at what you're doing. He wants you to get through it and get blessed in a great way. Now, as I emphasize that to you, I want to just say something at this point that I think is critical. You have to be able to believe in yourself if God's power is going to operate in your life in a great way. Now, I know in churches, no one ever says that. They never say, believe in yourself. Because most Christians have been taught that self is something we should deny. But the reality is, when you got saved, the old self died and the new self was born. There's a higher self inside of you that has been created in the image of God. That self is the self that removes mountains. That self is the self that'll conquer problems. That self can believe for miracles. That self, you gotta believe in that self. You gotta believe in yourself, and then you gotta trust in the Holy Spirit. He will help that new man get through it. The new woman gets through it. That new life gets through it. Come on, you're called to be something great. There's a history maker inside of you. There's a world changer inside of you. There's a mountain mover inside of you. There's a person that can change things inside of you. There's more than a conqueror inside of you. There is a, come on, there's a healer inside of you. There's a deliverer inside. Come on, church. There, he's inside of you. But if all you do is believe about your failures and believe what you couldn't do or what you failed at, you'll never be able to, to get through what you're going through. And you certainly won't be able to feel like you're winning in the midst of the storm. You certainly won't be able to feel like you've got joy. You certainly, because you're thinking wrong. You got to start thinking like that new man in Christ Jesus, that I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm ahead of it. I'm not under it. I'm not under the problem. I'm on top of the problem because the new man in Christ Jesus has the anointing of the Holy Spirit inside of him and the anointing of God can help you do anything that you need in your life. The Apostle Paul who probably wrote or experienced a lot more suffering than most Christians, he said this, I can do all things, not by himself, but through Christ who strengthens me. You doing a miracle in your life today, you can believe for it. And you can rest assured the Holy Spirit will help you and strengthen you to bring it to pass in your life. You got a dream in your life today? You can believe for it. And you can rest assured that if you believe for it, the Holy Spirit will help you, help you stand up, help you press in, help you do what God has called you to do. He will every time, but you got to believe in yourself. Don't believe you're a loser. Don't believe what the news says. Don't believe that you're a, come on, come on, a survivor. You're an overcomer. 
People don't believe in themselves anymore. And I love what Jesus did because we are creating this. Even someone who's not saved, you tell a child, believe you can do it. But once you get saved, something special happens inside you where all the limits are taken off you. And you have an ability to believe with the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome anything and everything in your life. Now, I want to, at this point, share a truth that I think will help you get built up. Years ago, the father of my faith, which is Kennedy Hagen, he related a, a vision that he had. And in the vision, it's very unique because in the vision, he's discussing with Jesus about Mark eleven twenty three, which if you don't know what it is, it means uh, he, Jesus said whatever things, or he says, whosoever shall stand on the mountain, be plucked up and cast the sea, and if he doubts on his heart, but believe the words that he says, he shall have whatever he says. And Jesus said to him, I want you to notice how many times I'm mentioning speaking over believing. And then he made this statement. The Lord told him that you're going to have to say it three times more than you believe it. And I never forgot that, that God wanted us to do more than just double down on our confession of faith. He wants us to triple down on our, on our statement of faith. In other words, I, God wants you to speak the word in the morning for breakfast, speak the word at lunch, speak the word at dinner. He wants that word coming out of your mouth because there's something about it when you hear yourself, because whatever you hear yourself saying builds into yourself what you can do. Whatever you hear yourself saying builds into your confidence. Whatever you hear yourself saying builds faith. Hallelujah. If I think I can do it, I'll start saying I can do it. If I think I'm going to overcome it, I'll start saying I can overcome it because whatever I think I will say and what I say is going to change my life. So rise up right now and say, Lord, I'm going to thank you right now. I want to think in the way that you said to think and I'm going to speak in the way that you said to speak and I'm going to hear that I can do it. I'm going to grab hold of... Oh my goodness. Woo. Man, I, it's, it's powerful when you realize the simplicity of it. You know, when I go home, be honest with you, many times I watch the news, and if I'm not careful, I get to feeling dreadful. I get to feeling like, gosh, is there any hope in America at all? Because that's what I'm hearing. Look at this verse, if you would, Isaiah. Put it up on the screen. I want you to see the power in this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You got to determine that I'm going to set my thinking on God's thoughts. I'm going to set my mind on thinking the way God says to think, and then he will keep me in perfect peace. Without peace, your faith will waver. You got to have that peace. You got to have peace. Jesus had so much peace in the storm, he fell asleep. Don't you know everything's falling away? Don't you know COVID is widespread? Don't you know the economy's going into a recession? Don't you know that, that things are getting worse? Lawless says it's getting worse. That's what we're hearing every day, every day. But I'm telling you, let's set our mind on the scriptures that God is our peace. He is our sword. He is our power. 
we don't need to be affected by it the way the world is. Now, I'm going to give you some truth today that I think will increase the results of your prayers in a tremendous way. Let me tell you the biggest reason why people's prayers are not answered. It's because they're asking God to change things outside of themselves. Change my husband. Change my boyfriend. I've wanted to get married. He won't come around. Change. It's always change this. Change how much money I make. Give me more. But the key to prayer isn't that outward change. That's not where it starts. It starts the change within you. When you study scripture, you'll find that Jesus always performed miracles once he changed people's minds. Once he changed their thinking, their faith was released. The question is, if you're praying for your husband to get saved, is you need to change the way you think about your husband. If you want your marriage to get better, you've got to change the way you think about your wife. If you want to change your finances, you've got to change the way you think about money. And you've got to get the mind of Christ, and that's going to take the Holy Spirit and the Word. If you get the Holy Spirit and the Word, God will mentally change your thoughts. And once you change those thoughts, your faith is released every time. Ever have a, talk to a couple that's fighting, it's having problems in their marriage, and all of a sudden, and I did this for years, I would tell them, okay, listen, I will counsel you on one condition, you come to every service I have. And nine times out of ten, by the second service, they would come down to the altar, God would speak to them about themselves, not the other person, and they would say, Pastor, we don't need you anymore. God revealed to me what I was doing wrong, how I was thinking about my wife, right? It was just automatic. Saved me hours and hours of counseling. Amen. Because I'm counseling you right now. I don't want to do it twice. Let's just do it once. Amen. Now, I want you to, to keep that in mind because a lot of you have got some storms in your life, but the way that you think about it won't work. You know, a lot of people in marriage, they get married and they think this. If it don't work out, I'll just leave and, and get divorced and marry someone else. If you go into a marriage like that, you're defeating yourself before you start. You're not thinking right. What God has joined together, let no man put his under. In other words, you get married, this is it, baby. You're stuck with me. Whether I get wrinkly, overweight, doesn't matter. This is me. Right now, I got a six-pack, but later I'll have a cake. You're just going to have to live with it, praise God. That's how I'm getting married. There's something about thinking about things the way the word says that puts you in a, faith, a position your faith works. Amen? I mean, when Joyce got married, we had all kinds of issues that popped up, but we never thought about, well, I'll leave her. We never let that thought come in. Why? Because the Bible said, what God joined together, let no man put it under. I'm not, I don't want to get in God's way. Amen? She stuck with me. Now, of course, she's highly blessed, highly favored. I mean, you know, that's just the dream husband that she's always dreamed that she would ever have. I mean, when God gave out jacks, he gave it the super jack, and she got the, 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 uh, the, big, the big gulp version. Okay, anyway. Are you following what I'm saying so far? So be more concerned about, am I thinking right in the situation I'm in. Lord, maybe, maybe my thoughts towards money is wrong. 
A lot of people struggle with money because they think the only people that have money is, is the people that inherit it, someone gives it to them, or the person that works 80 hours a week, gets an ulcer, dies of cancer from all of his stress, and that's the only way you can get money. So they always associate money with problems and broken family. God, if you think that way, number one, money won't come to you. Number two, if it does, you'll regret it. But if you do it God's way, the blessing of the Lord, he has no sorrow to it. Start thinking the way God says to think, and it'll come easily to you and not be a huge burden. It's all how you think. Because the way that you think is the way you believe. You think it'll be easy? It'll be easy. Think it's going to be hard? It's going to be easy or, or hard. Think marriage is hard. Raising teenagers is hard. It'll be hard. All right, moving right along here. I, I didn't mean to put you under conviction or anything else, but it's the way you think will determine how your prayers are going to be answered. And you have to, let me give you an example. Look here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10 and 13. This is a man, the centurion. He was a Roman soldier. And um, during the Roman Empire, the morals in Rome were horrible. Uh, they would actually, uh, people would have children or young men as sex slaves, even in the military. It was really perverted. Here's a soldier that comes to Jesus because he needs a miracle. But the way that he thinks is wrong, tells the Lord, he says, you can't come to my house. I'm really not worthy to have you come to my house, which was true. But he kind of looked at Jesus as distant from him, and he couldn't really receive the benefits that Jesus had. And listen to what Jesus says to him after he says, speak the word only to him. Listen to what he says. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Surely I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now watch this. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. In other words, he changed the way the centurion thought before he answered his prayer. He didn't think this. He thought you have Jews that have covenant with God, and then you got Gentiles. In fact, it was so severe during his time that they had what called, they, they had the middle wall, a petition. It was a wall that separated the Gentiles from the Jews. And if you wanted to get close to the Jews, you could only get so close. If you went over farther, they would kill you. In other words, we are God's people, you're not. And you might be able to get a fringe of the blessing, but you're not going to get what we get. That's what he thought in his mind. And Jesus said, no, after he heard his faith, he says, there's going to be people from all over, whether they're Jew or not, and they're going to be in the house. And the people that thought they had it made, many of them are going to be cast out in outer darkness. Boy, what a revelation. He said, what a revelation. Same thing happened when he healed the, healed the man that was born blind from birth. No one had ever been healed like that throughout the whole Bible. And what did Jesus do? He stood there, and the man was right there, and the disciples said, why is this man sick? And he said, he's not sick because of his own sin. And they said, well, is he sick because of his parents' sin? Or is he sick because he had sin in his mother's womb? 
I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus said, neither. The man was sitting there, and all his life he'd been told that he was that way because of either his parents' sin or his sin, and he couldn't receive his miracle with that mindset. So Jesus straightens him out and says, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is about a half, uh, it's about 50 yards away. And he washed and he came out seeing why God changed the way he thought. I wonder what will happen today as the Holy Spirit begins to change the way you think. Change the way you think about your marriage. Change the way you think about your future. Change the way you think about where you're going in your life. And when you do that, God will begin to move in you in a great way and release miracles and blessings in your life. But you got to change the way you think and start thinking like the mind of Christ. A lot of power in that when you look at it from that perspective the renewing of the mind please write this down is when you study scriptures and with the help of the holy spirit you begin to see god in a better way than you saw him before and you begin to partake then of the grace of god from the knowledge of god and god begins to multiply it in your life great faith comes after great renewals of the mind in your life. As I renew my mind to the word of God, things start changing in my life. We don't come to church just to put in our time so that, you know, it's an insurance policy and we don't go to heaven. We go to church to be trained. We go to ch church to be trained so that we can reign. We go to church so that we'll have better families. We go to church so that Christ will reign with our children. We go to church because we want to change the evil that's in this world. We go to church because we want the kingdom of God to reign through us in our public positions, in our civil positions. We want God to reign. That's why you go to church. And that's exactly why a lot of people don't go to church because they haven't been taught that. Just go to church because they say to go to church. Now you go there because it's like going to a health club. You go here to get the fat and sassy carnality out of you. Work out for Jesus. Come on, let's work out for Jesus. Okay. Now I'm going to make a statement here. It might shock you, but it's true. Every disease, every infirmity in humanity originated from wrong thinking. Every one of them, every disease, leukemia, whatever it may be, all its origins come from wrong thinking or carnal thinking, if you want to be biblical, from the fall of man. If you look in the scriptures, you'll find that Adam, when he sinned, what did he do? He partook of the tree of the good and evil. That tree gave him the ability to trust in his own understanding, to trust in his perception of what is right and what is wrong. From that day, you see the age of man get less and less and less because disease gets more and more and more and more. It was created from the wrong kind of thinking. That's why oftentimes when people go through divorces, there's, there's many times a physical illness that hits them three or four years later that was created from the stress, from the nervousness, from the anxiety that they were thinking. It began to knock down their immune system and all those things happen. And here's the great news about this. You can change it. 
you can change the way you think. You can embrace the knowledge of God and change the way you think about your life, change the way you think and start thinking in line with what Jesus thought. So God's thoughts are higher and you can begin to transform your life by simply changing the way you think. Diseases come from the negative views, the negative perspectives of people, anxiety, worry, stress. That's where they came from. I don't know about you, but I got the mind of Christ, and I want to turn the tide here. This is exactly why generational curses are passed down. You meet somebody, and he's abusive in the family, the father. Son grows up the same way. Well, where did that come from? He learned the pattern or the way that his father thought and continue to do the same thing and become susceptible to the same temptations. That's why if you get into a family that there's, that there's perversion and whatever, even though the child was never directly taught to do that because they learned the patterns of thinking that was in the father or the mother, whatever it may be, they repeat that and then they become subject to the same temptations and the world is in need of this message today we got to renew our mind to the word of God and begin to think the way the word says and not draw our own conclusion of what we consider to be evil and good uh, my view of human and uh, good is wrong because I'm human only the divine creator knows what the difference is between right and wrong and what is physically true and what is not physically true only God knows our true identity only God knows what we should be only gaze the creator I'm not going to learn from someone that's oh, praise God get me don't get me mad here God knows the way that I should think he created us never to be alone never to be independent of his spiritual understanding Never to be independent of our own perspective over his. I laugh at these officials that say, well, this is what the population feels is right. I could care less what the population feels is right. What I want to know is what Jesus says is right. Because the population is so off, they're pathetic. They wouldn't know Jesus if he appeared with a blue suit on their steps unless we pray. God revealed to them the hardness, the blindness. They can't see it. They think they're their own goodness. No, you're the only true good God. You're the one that knows what right and wrong is. You know, you're the one that knows what creates evil and what destroys us. Father, we, we embrace that. I love it because God builds you up, and all of a sudden, he starts restoring man to their original state before they fell the original state to have dominion the original state to prevail the original state to produce fruit and and multiply that's what he he restores us to that jesus is the last adam praise god he he's the federal head of mankind and he's got the right kind of thinking that can give us the victory that can change our lives that can transforms our lives pretty cool pretty cool now, let, let me take you a little bit farther with this, and I don't want to go too far with it. Like, in fact, the last service, I just went a little bit too long. But let me show you this in Colossians 2.10. Put it up on the screen, and I'll show you how to 
think right. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Say it with me, I'm complete with Christ. That means in him you're perfect. Turn your neighbor right say and say, in him I'm perfect. Come on, say it like you mean it. In him I'm perfect. Now here's what we do. We tell our wives, I'm going to work on it, I'm going to get better. And we think that perfection comes from you working on it. It doesn't. It comes from the perfection within that is Christ. You can't change your life if you focus in on all your weaknesses, on what you do. You've got to focus in on the perfection of Christ inside of you. You have perfect righteousness inside of you. Perfect righteousness inside of you means that you are perfect in Christ. What you've got to do is believe in that and then work that out in your life. Work out that righteousness like someone says, do what Jesus would do. Why? Because you're working out that perfect righteousness inside of you you got to have a righteous consciousness not a sin consciousness a sin consciousness just causes you to become aware of more of the failures and more of the things that you do wrong and then you're attracted to them rather than repel them that was the problem with the law but under grace we focus in on Christ gave us and as we begin to say man of the righteousness of God we begin to act righteous we begin to act holy we begin to act with authority we begin to act with power because we believe that we are complete in him and let me test you in this are you ready to get tested in the church today the majority of Christians interpret some scriptures not as spiritual as they should they, they interpret it from a human standpoint and they miss the truth that is it. Let me give you an example. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you got people all over the church today. Here's what they do. At the end of the day, they say, Lord, I'm really sorry for this sin. And they try to think about all the sins they did that day. Yeah, I shouldn't have yelled at my wife that day. Lord, I'm really sorry about it. And they focus in on all these sins and say, I gotta remember what they are. And so their whole day from morning to evening is, I gotta remember the sins that I do so that I can get, that I can ask God to forgive me of those sins. The verse doesn't say anything about asking God to forgive you. It doesn't say that. It says if we confess, in other words, if I acknowledge, Lord, your word says that's wrong. You've made it real to me. If I just do that, forgiveness is automatic. God automatically forgives me because I'm believing in the truth that he has said. If he says that was wrong, I say, yeah, you're right. That's wrong. I, I should have never done that. He automatically forgives me. When I got saved, I didn't make a list up of all of my sins and ask God to forgive me. I believed on Jesus. And Jesus forgave me of every sin in my life.
I don't wake up every morning trying to get a list of things to make sure that I ask him to forgive him. Once you believe in God and you believe in his promises and believe in what he says, he automatically forgives you of your sins. I mean automatically. And you say, give me another verse. James said this, the prayer of faith would save the sick. And if they committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Just believing that you're healed in Christ releases the forgiveness of God in your life. Hallelujah. Jesus healed the man that was at the pool, pool that had been there 38 years. He healed him first and then said, go sin no more or something worse will happen to you. Man, faith will bring the forgiveness. Faith will bring the cleansing. Faith. Now, saying all that, is it wrong to ask God to forgive you? No. But the importance is that we don't emphasize the sin in our life and focus in on that. Let's focus in on what Christ has provided for us, and it will change your life forever. Hallelujah. Send a hallelujah. Every day, though, you know, say, Lord, oh, man, I, yeah, I shouldn't cut him off on the freeway. I feel bad about it, Lord. It's forgiven. I'm not going to go, Lord, I'm asking right now, please forgive me. All you got to do is admit to it that it's truth and there's a mistake there. That's all you got to do, and God will automatically forgive you. Let me take you farther with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talked about communion. And he said, many of you are weak and sickly, and some of you have fallen asleep because you have not discerned the Lord's body. And then he makes this statement, and it, it catches a lot of people that don't see it, but he says, if you judge yourself, you would not be judged. But when you are judged by the Lord... You are judged in order that you would not be condemned with the Lord or with the world. So when God judges you, it is to keep you from being condemned with the world. But what does that mean? Does that mean that when you got weak, that when you got sick, that when you died prematurely, that was to free you from the condemnation in the world? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that when God, God judges you by his word, by the Holy Spirit where, where the word's being preached or, or you're in prayer and God brings up a verse to you about that and says, you know, what you're doing is wrong and so forth. When that happens, God is judging you then so that you'll respond to it and be freed from weakness and sickness and premature death. In other words, the judgment is a preventative of an outward negativity that'll happen in your life if you don't respond to them. It's not God saying, okay, I judge you, now you're sick. No, I'm, I'm judging you now and showing you this is wrong to keep you from being condemned like the world, to keep you from being sick, to keep you from dying prematurely my words telling you I can't do that you can't go that direction because you're not judging yourself correctly some on church someone out of praise God but did you see what I said there what I'm talking about is a form of judgment that's a preventative of something negative in your life that God will have to allow to happen when you study the seven churches in the book of Revelation, 
five out of the seven were rebuked by something they were doing that was wrong. And in every case, the consequence of not repenting had not happened. God said to the church that had left their first love, if you don't repent, do the things you did before, I'm going to put out your lampstand. Well, that didn't happen until after the word had been spoken, if they didn't respond. The church that was lukewarm was not spit out of God's mouth until they refused not to repent. As far as we know, they did. In other words, when he chastened them with the word, it was to prevent them from trouble. Let me give you an example of this. Years ago, I was in the church, and uh, I had a local pastor that wanted a fellowship with me, and I'm not opposed to fellowship with other pastors, but I spent so much time working with you guys, I, I don't know, do a lot of it. And so he was just really getting on my case about it. Come on, let's go out, let's go out, let's go out. Come speak at my church, all this stuff. And finally, I, I don't know, I had a hesitant about it, hesitation about it. And the Lord spoke to me in prayer and says, I do not want you to fellowship with him. And I said, why, Lord? And he says, because he's in sin. So I just did what most of us do. I just kind of ignored him. <laughs> text me. I didn't text him back. Called me. I didn't return the phone call. Finally, he got a hold of me. And he was real adamant about it. He says, why are you putting me off? How come you won't go out with me? And I said, well, you, to be honest with you, here's what happened. The Lord spoke to me in prayer. He said not to go out with you because you're living in sin. Got quiet on the other end. Anyway, a month later, there was 10 women in his church he was having affairs with. 10. They got together with a meeting, and they all talked about him doing this, whatever. He lost the church, lost his ministry. God was preparing me to so I would be associated with that. Amen? So young people, when your parents say, I don't feel good about you hanging around with that person, listen to them. They're trying to prevent a problem. Amen? I don't feel good about you going down there and doing that tonight. Listen to your parents. I, one time I ignored the Holy Spirit when he was telling me not to let my kids do something. One time, one time, one time that I can think of. And I didn't feel good about my kids going downtown Seattle. And I just kind of, I ignored it. And that night, my son was in a car and it flipped over in the freeway like four or five times. He ended up going down to the emergency ward down there and he was so scrambled in his brains that he couldn't, he would say one thing and repeat it over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. I remember getting the phone call from the, from the hospital and they wouldn't tell me if he was alive or dead, my kids wouldn't tell us just have to come down there and I remember sitting in the, the thing there speaking the word over him and he just kept repeating it repeating it he kept saying the same thing over and over again his mind was just scrambled praise God and I learned that night praise God it's, God was there to help me and he's completely restored all that but I tell you what that never should have happened if I just would have listened to the Holy Spirit that night and warned me of what was going to happen yeah. hallelujah so, do you understand God judges us 
to keep us out of trouble. Whenever you study Scripture, please don't do this. Don't interpret Scripture as something, especially prophecy, as something, oh, I'm terrified now of end times and tribulation. It wasn't given to you for that reason. It was given to you to warn you, to warn others, so they wouldn't be in that bad predicament. And my classic is in Revelation chapter 20 where God sits and, it, and, and, the, and John describes what happens at the end of the age. The dead stand before God and the books are open. And the books are everything you did, good or bad, and you're judged according to the books. But if a man's or woman's name is not in the Lamb's book of life, they're cast into the lake of fire. That, that's not to scare the sinner. That's to tell the sinner you can't be saved by what you do. That's, the, that's what that revelation is for. You can't be saved because you're a good person. You can't be saved because you work in missions. You are saved because you believe in Jesus Christ and you're in his book. That's the way you are saved. That's what it's for. It's not to terrify you. And you think about it for a minute in Scripture, all the times that people are just terrified. Don't preach that hellfire and brimstone. Hellfire and brimstone is to awaken you to the importance of a decision for Christ it isn't to frighten you and say I told you so it's to convince you how many people do you know that die and they go well I'm a good person you know I, I don't go to church but I'm a good person well, you go to hell you'll go to hell because you don't get to heaven that way no one's pure enough no one's holy enough no one, no one is right enough and you're standing before a holy God that is absolute perfection. You need his son to perfect you inside. You need the holiness of his son. Anyway, I don't mean to get even, you know, evangelistic there. But that's the purpose of prophecy. Not so you can do a series on it and sell books about ideas and theories that you can't prove. It's for the purpose of getting the sinner to repent so that he don't experience that judgment. Hallelujah. Now let me close with this. There's a story in the Old Testament. I love this story. It's a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah was the mother of Samuel, the great prophet. He's a great prophet because it says no word that he spoke ever fell to the ground. In other words, everything he prophesied happened. Didn't miss it once. And in the story, she's in a marriage with a husband that loves her. But in those days, people had more than one wife, didn't have any brains yet. He's got two wives. The other one, as soon as you look at her, she has a baby. She's just, ba just having babies right and left. Hannah, nothing's happening. And it says that she got so depressed that she wouldn't eat. And her husband says, haven't I been good enough to you more than 10 sons could have been now, obviously she believes no because <laughs> I want the sons but she's depressed she's not eating she's lost her appetite but she's got enough sense to go to God she goes to God and she wants a child so bad she's desperate to get results she makes a vow that, that a woman would only do if she was desperate Lord if you give me this child I will dedicate him to the temple and he can work at the temple after he's weaned. 
And she says that, but as she's praying that, she's crying and everything else and, and getting, you know, and, and Eli the prophet's sitting there and he goes, oh man, she's got to be drunk. She's sauced. And she, and, the, and she turns to him and says, no, I'm not, and explains the situation. And then, the, and then Elijah said, let the Lord grant it to you. Soon as that happened, and she believed that God had heard her prayer, watch what happens. She gets up and eats and is no longer sad. Now she feels different. Some of you this morning don't feel good. Some of you this morning don't feel like you're going to overcome. Some of you don't feel like you're going to win the battle. And if you don't feel the presence of God and the answer to the... See, once you receive in faith, it changes the way you feel. Once you receive in faith, it changes the way that you feel. You begin to feel, I can do it. You begin to feel like I'm an overcomer. You begin to feel, I got the power. You begin to feel, God's help me, praise God. The church should be feeling great. The church should be rejoicing great. Hallelujah. But it's not going to happen until you start thinking differently about your situation and start thinking that God has granted it to you before you'll change your feeling. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.